You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I am Marcus. Welcome to the final curtain call, Legendary Grassroots Music. Remembered, notice that the title is Legendary Grassroots Music Remembered, rather than music venues, because I suddenly realised that uh, whilst I've been doing the research on all of these venues and all of these places, which I'm going to continue to do, I suddenly realised how many of these artists I was talking about and how many um, undiscovered um, gems of albums are out there. So I felt, you know what, if I broaden that um, horizon a little bit and take it out of the pub and make the pub's part of it and as well as explore the bands as I said I've been talking about uh, some of these bands Buffalo Bill and the Pinkies and Steve Hooker and all these people that have played at these various venues that I'm talking about but I also think that it's good to remember all grassroots uh, music not just the venues but the music as well and celebrate everything about that particular um, time and um, people's memories from that time. Um, so I, f- I feel it's it's a pretty good thing to um, do that. Plus, we can always talk about music shops, legendary music shops, legendary promoters or agents or anything grassroots, right the way down to even people who were printing off or, or, or who were uh, registering or, or songwriting and trying to get their music published or even people who were actually, uh, I was going to say printing vinyl, but kind of creating vinyl, burning vinyl, if you like, some of these vinyl distributors. Because, see, back then, probably 30 years ago when I started, um, whether anybody remembers them or not, there was a rock band, local rock band called Mistress, and the lead singer was called Les Stripe. Um, And I knew his brother Lee, and uh, Les gave me a seven-inch single that they'd made. We heard him rehearse a few times, went down, and he gave me a seven-inch single. I remember thinking how cool it was to have a record, you know, a seven-inch single out. Um, And I was, you know, some 16, 17-year-old kid then and didn't really know how the business worked. But, um, so yeah, if anybody knows of Mistress, I've still got their single somewhere. I found a few singles today when I was going through. But I've been doing my research in terms of uh, what I do. As as, uh, you know, I want to say a personal thank you again to um, Andy and Neville from the Pinkies for uh, giving me their time. And I hope you enjoyed their interview over the last couple of weeks. And also, um, I have a couple of exclusives that uh, Andy was very gracious um, in allowing me to use. Um, a couple of live performances of the Pinkies from uh, Langdon, Langdon Hotel, which is one of the venues I've talked about, which I'll probably give you um, a blast of during this show today. I don't have an interview today. Um, so it's me really kind of catching up on where we are and letting you know this is what, what we're where we're heading and where the show's um, going at the moment. It's been a real um, eye-opener for me to start um, learning about the industry at the level that I'm at, if you like, or the level that I um, have been at for a, for a fair amount of time. And to learn about the people that came before. And, and as I speak to you now, I have so many people who have, who have really um, taken the time to get in contact with me, who have replied to my messages who have added me as a friend on social media and who follow the podcast so you've got some interviews coming back or coming up over the next few weeks um i've already mentioned that i'm going to be interviewing um phil Burdett. phil was graciously allowed me to um uh, approach him and to um he's going to give me some time and we're going to uh, hopefully talk about his career which is has been close on 40 years although he doesn't look old enough 
Um, Steve Hooker is uh, again uh, has taken the time. He, he's happy to come and see me and to talk about um, the industry and uh, his new projects and his old projects and the people he's worked with. And we spoke briefly on the phone, and um, I'm looking forward to that one. But over the last week, I've had a couple of other people um, I've managed to get in contact with. Uh, Neville from um, the Pinkies, but and Glider, but Neville. Um, had said to me that he was going to have a word with Paul Reynolds, who was the original drummer of the Pinkies, or the drummer from the Pinkies, um, and ask him if he, he wanted to talk to me. And Paul is going to. It's not going to be a recorded interview, um, but he's going to come and see me because he um, apparently was um, giving Neville and Andy a hard time about uh, the fact they couldn't remember anything. And, and Paul has a photographic memory, apparently. So I'm hoping that Paul will be able to help me with a couple of other little things that I'm trying to do. Um, the double six or the flying childers. I, I'm just trying to get a floor plan of that place because I'll get a better understanding of where the stage was. And just for me, you know, just that sort of thing. So Paul Reynolds is going to come and see me. I'm looking forward to meeting Paul. Riga Steve, obviously, um, I've been saying that for a while. Um, and I know he saw my brother out a couple of weeks ago and said, uh, Marcus is going to do an interview with me. I haven't forgotten you, Steve. Um, Sean from the Army and Navy is going to um, come and see me. We're going to talk about the Army and Navy. I'm hoping to get some correspondence from the square and I am hoping against hope that I can get uh, an interview or at least a chat with a member of the Hamsters who I consider to be the ultimate, uh, one of the ultimate grassroots. And I, I use the word grassroots with, with all respect. Of course, they have done other things and they, and they are um, internationally renowned, but they are accessible in as much as you could see them at um, the grassroots music venues. And I consider them to be um, heroes of mine really if I'm honest and uh, so if anybody knows one of them I have messaged them but um, I don't even know if they check their social media much these days um, as they haven't been on the road for seven or eight years now um, but the hamsters um, I'm also hoping um, to get an interview with a gentleman called uh, Bob Mundy and he's uh, working at the moment uh, with the management um, they are uh, they've been around for a fair while. Uh, um, and he's also a member of the Boomers. But he was a member of Granny Grunts, who I've mentioned um, in the first one or two podcasts of this series when I was um, researching some venues. And um, he's he's uh, doing various things. Um, also, a gentleman got in contact, well, I got in contact with him and he got back to me, a, a, a guy called Roger Hoodless. And Roger, uh, he's a sound technician these days, but he's also um, was the manager for uh, men who were like a huge, I'm going to use prog rock, but they were more than that. They were Welsh, I know, from Wales, and they were one of the biggest prog rock bands of the 70s. They carried on. They're, they're still around in the, uh, one form or another. At the moment, they're son of man. Um, and I know several of the members, unfortunately, as Roger said to me, have, um, have left us. Um, but... Um, I'm hoping that I might be able to have a chat. Roger's going to come and see me. We're going to have a, have a conversation about his career um, because he's been a manager of man. He's also also um, a member. I'm going to use the word Rostock or Rostock, R-O-S-T-O-C-K. And that's the band that he's been, I think, since 1992. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Their last album, as far as I'm aware, was called Lightning Bolt. It came out in 2020. Um, and uh, the Rostock has uh, Roger Hoodless, of course, um, Chris Varrier, Lawrence Roberts, and Mark Richards, and also Scott Hoodless and Dave Grosh. Not not Dave Grosh, not quite that big. Dave Grosh. Um, 
And Lightning Bolt came out, uh, it was it was described as a monster of an AOR album, uh, filled with melodies and spacey lyrics and some lovely guitar breaks and a nod to the great and much-missed Deke Leonard. And Deke Leonard was, of course, a member of Man. Um, the other thing about, um, uh, about Rostock is they were put together, um, I think it was in about 1992, um, uh, by Roger. And he, at that time, he had um, his sons, Glenn and Scott, on guitar, Lawrence Roberts on bass. Um, and they were playing very, very many conventions and shows. And um, the, the, the roots are basically in, in a heavy rock school. But there's leanings towards heavy heavy metal, um, and um, there are echoes of the Blue Oyster Cult in their artwork, uh, apparently. Um, and and it's described as precise dr- precise guitar driven music with plenty of space for soloing. It sounds like a band I'd like to be a member of. Um, liberal doses of wah wah. Um, so that's a little bit about them. Um, I'm really, really hoping that I will get the chance to have a chat with Roger, and, and I, he has he has said that we will. Oh, they were formed in 1992, that's right. Um, and the reason they're called um, Rostock is because um, Roger mistakenly took the man band there when they should have been going to Hamburg. So he made a bit of a mistake and took, uh, he, as I said, he was a manager of man. I saw them. I saw man and uh, would have been Rostock at um, the Grand Hotel in Lee, which I've mentioned on here. Would have been about 92, 93. Um, the first CD album was Broad Wings Over Berlin. And it was recorded during three days, uh, Christmas 1996. I hope it wasn't the 24th, 25th and 26th, uh, fellas. Although everything stops for grassroots music. Um, they said they were happy with um, how it came out. And uh, they recorded a follow-up album, Surrealistic Dream, um, during 2000, in their own studio using a Tascam 8-track. Which, uh, again, these are albums that I'm trying to search out. Uh, Promo versions are available, so I'm sure you can probably get them. Um, Which they also recorded a cover of uh, Man's Bananas, which is a song for inclusion on a Man tribute album. Um, and then the third album was called Once Upon a Time in 2004, again on their home studio, which which by now was a 16-track digital Yamaha, AW4416. Um, uh, the lineup has changed since 2004. Mark Richards on drums, Roger Hussey on guitar, keys, bass, back in Vox, George Wood on guitar and Vox, Scott and Glenn are busy with their own project, and Lawrence is now lecturing and involved with musical activities with his son Lewis and daughter Hannah. Interesting, the overall sound remains pretty much the same. Uh, you can find a little bit more um, about uh, the Rostock band um, at, uh, I'm looking at this, well, back in those days it would have been MySpace, but I'm sure if you have a look you can find um, lots of information on them. There's no official website that I can see, although I'm hoping that I will be able to find that and bring that to you. And hopefully when I chat to Roger, I'll be able to um, give you a bit more information um, on that. Um, Roger gave me an update on Man as well. Um, Martin split the band in two some years ago, and he now lives and works in Germany. Mickey Deke and several other en- earlier member uh, band members have now unfortunately passed this mortal coil. However, George Jones and Bob Richards, who were both long-term Man band members, have formed the offshoot Son of Man. Um, and also Terry Williams can be found there as well. He's also a member. Um, 
uh, Terry said his, his band, uh, again, Rostock, uh, uh, were given that name by Deke when they ended up in, Ro- in Rostock instead of Hamburg on the first tour. And Roger says he does a lot of PA work with his colleague Chris Jones and works with sound engineer Steve Shepard. Now, I think Steve Shepard is Def Shepard, who we mentioned a few weeks ago. Um, and he also messaged me at the end to say he was doing the sound for the Led Zeppelin tribute Coda. If you haven't seen them, by the way, I saw them um, probably about 18 months ago, probably just before the pandemic, maybe two years. Time does that. If you haven't seen them, they are absolutely brilliant. I mean, there are so many Led Zepp and so many tributes, but Coda, one of the best that I had, uh, had seen. Um, so Roger gave me some time and I'm looking forward to um, running an interview with him. Certainly, um, again, Bob Mundy. And also a lot of the mem- people that were mentioned to me, Paul Milligan um, and um, by Andy and, and Neville. But uh, talking of Andy and Neville, um, here's a little bit, an, an exclusive for you. This kind of brings home the feeling of everything at that particular time. I've, as, as I said, Andy has allowed me to use a couple of these live recordings. So this is Langdon Hotel from 1981. And this is uh, the Pinkies with a song called Gonna Be Lonely Again. Smile, I will cover 
Innovation Studios is the perfect place for any aspiring singer-songwriter to take their journey to the next level. Whether that be starting at the basics of building a solid foundation on your first instrument, learning the best ways to perform your first open mic, or refining your current set with an experienced performer, or recording a polished album at the highest of standards. With soundproofed walls and perfect ambience and acoustics, our studio is also a great place for a budding producer to learn their craft, hone their skills and begin producing music. Check out what we have to offer throughout our website. Go to www.innovationstudios.com. That was a Pinkies We're Gonna Be Lonely Again from the Langdon Hotel where they said they started in 1981. I love the um, rawness of that, but they were one of the tightest bands on the circuit at that particular time. Um, and I know I keep going on about them. It's because, you know, everybody's going to have their turn, but they're the ones who are in the spotlight at the moment uh, with me. And they're, you know, very kindly um, giving me their time and helping me to um, find out so much more about um, this industry that I'm in. Let's play one more of theirs from the Langdon Hotel on that gig, and then we'll um, chat about a couple of other little bands who are around at that particular time. So this is the Pinkies, again, Langdon Hotel, 1981, with a song called Holding Me Tight, live.
There's such an energy to that. Um, and that was the thing about it when I first started playing in bands, the energy of these bands playing live. And I've always said to people when I work with them, you know, singers or stuff like that, it doesn't matter it, where it is, Langdon Hotel or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's uh, make it your Wembley. And that's what these, these guys were doing back then. Um, and that was the circuit they were on and they were busy. Um, and uh, I love that. And uh, thank you again to Andrew, Andy Price. Andrew Price, as he is on Facebook, Andy in person. Um, for giving me that recording. It's, um, it's been a real eye-opener, and um, I wish them all the best. As, as yet, I don't have any live or, or any um, dates in terms of release for their uh, digital streaming media album, but uh, I would assume it's probably going to be early next year, which will be the um, 40th anniversary of the Pinkies' self-titled album. So I've... Um, Again, I've really enjoyed researching their music. Of course, I wish them all the best, and no doubt they will be mentioned a fair few times as, as time goes on. But for now, I'm, I'm going to bid them a bit of a fond farewell until I get an opportunity to talk to Paul, and he'll probably put right um, whatever Neville and um, Andy got wrong the other week. Uh, but um, I've listened to their interview a fair few times, even though I was part of it, because I think sometimes when you go into interviewer mode, you... you you're talking and you don't actually um, take in what's being said. You're, you're thinking of your next question. That's not to say I wasn't taking in what they were saying, but um, you know, you're you're thinking on your feet all the time. I had so many questions that I wanted to ask them. Um, and I think listening back, I got through um, most of them. I think there was one question that I wanted to ask them that I didn't get round to. Um, and it was only really, um, did you have a champagne moment? Um, but I think they pretty much sort of told me their highs and their lows. And um, so if they did have a champagne moment, but remind, I have to remind myself now to ask everybody what their proudest moment was. Um, okay, let's have a look at a couple more of the venues that we talked about um, last time. And also we'll take a couple of your emails. Uh, Janice says, hi, Marcus, do you remember the standard in Walthamstow? I thought it was still there, Janice. Um, I know it was used for an episode of, um, I mean, we played it many, many times and pretty much every tribute band um, that you could think of as played at the standard um, in Walthamstow. But um, I thought it was still there. Let me, um, I'm going to have to find out a little bit about that. It shows what I know. It closed in 2011. Um, yes, I, t I took a bit of time there, get a cup of tea too, because I wanted to make sure that I'd replied properly. Um, yeah, the standard closed in 2011. It was, um, it was right near Black Horse Road Underground Station. Um, and it was there for 150 years. It began life as a beer house in 1840 um, in what was then a very rural Walthamstow. And as the Royal Standard, it was a rival to nearby beer house, the Ferry Boat, um, who apparently during the 1850s were trying to get the standard closed down by trying to, um, uh, what's the word, um, sabotage their spirit license. Um but uh, that was in the 1850s. Um, the owner, William Devon, left for the old lock in Tottenham, and the Royal Standard was then run by a succession of families. Charles Dabb was a licensee from around 1858. Um, Sarah, his wife, took over for a short while, and when Charles died in 1872, the Moore family were at the helm. Uh, by the turn of the 20th century, the pub was occupied by the Downtons, and then it was Arthur Grover, 
who was one of the standard's longest-serving publicans, um, was probably here for about 25 years, from 1905. Um, as Walthamstow developed into an urban area from the later 19th century, the pub became a central fixture, um, and the grounds were used for regular dog racing meetings and regular concert parties were popular. But by the 70s, its role as an entertainment venue was cemented. And there were residences by big names of the day, like Danny LaRue, Mike Reed, um, and weekly talent competitions were attracting prizes of £100 in 1972. I mean, when you bear in mind that tonight I'm 140 quid, um, you know, um, but uh, that had risen to £500 by 1978. Um, and um, the, the character of the entertainment shifted um, towards the early 80s. Um, and there was live music on Wednesday, uh, between Wednesdays and Sundays. Lunchtime strippers. Yeah, there as well. Everywhere seems to have lunchtime strippers. Uh, it's just, why do I get the feeling that I should have come around 15, 20 years earlier? Um, in 1986, um, a new manager um, took over and they transformed the pub into a, a legendary rock venue. Um, and they had uh, bands like Wolfsbane, um, Phil Liner, I'm assuming was there as a solo act, not with Thin Lizzy. Um, and back then, the standard opened between 8pm and midnight. Um, and also there was um, ver various special nights. The Slade Fan Club Convention were there in 1990. Um, and they, ha they had most of the um, legendary tribute bands and most of the ones that are on the circuit now. Guns to Roses, T-Rex to See, Bootleg Blondie. Um, and um, by the time the 21st century came round... Um, it was earmarked for property values. Now, I remember having many, many conversations there with the managers and the landlords about the fact they kept being given um, incentives to sell, and they wouldn't. They said, we want to stay here, but they, they wanted to knock it down and build some flats and stuff like that. The Standard's final gig was in December 2011, and the venue closed for good. It's just that I've driven past it a few times. But, um, yeah, now it's... Um, is set to that there was a, a new housing estate or, or flats or something was that was going to um, replace it. Um, whether that has it actually has happened yet, I don't know. But um, yes, I do remember uh, the standard wall from Star. I played it many times with Color Kinesis, uh, many times with Oasis, and I remember the sound guy uh, was a Scottish guy, and I think he was called John. But um, we played it with, uh, I think it was the Rolling Clones, and we played um, the, um, it wasn't the Bootleg Beatles, it was the Counterfeit Beatles. Um, and, of course, we played it as Oasis. And it was just uh, always an unbelievable sound. One of the best sound guys. I mean, we wanted to take him on tour. We uh, when, when Oasis went on tour, we had a few dates put in the book. And we offered him um, the opportunity to do the sound for us. We said, would you like to? And... He said, I would really love to, but he said, if I do that, I'll, I'll be out of a job at the standard at the end of it. But um, we asked him, he gave us a price and that and said, this is what I'm on per night. And we said, well, look, we'll cover that and we'll give you a bit more because we wanted John to do the sound for us. Um, and unfortunately, he couldn't. But um, yeah, if I don't know if he's out there and if anybody knows of him. Um, I'm sure it was John. He used to turn up on a motorbike and come in and he was just the best sound guy that uh, I ever worked with, apart from probably one exception, that was John at uh, the Cavern um, in Liverpool, who was, uh, and also Rick at the, at the Cavern, a gentleman called Rick was a great sound guy at the Cavern. 
um, always made us sound good, always a pleasure to play there. But um, yeah, the standard, I remember working there once with Who's Who and their singer said, if you can't play well with a sound like this, then you shouldn't be in the business. And I remember thinking, yeah, it's recognition for the sound crew. But uh, yes, I do remember the standard and I'm happy to give you a little bit more information about it. And if you played there and you want to give me some more feedback on the standard or you know John or you know anybody that was on that circuit at that particular time, because everybody's played at the standard. Um, Let me know, please. Let me know. Ever wanted to play guitar? 10-minute tutorials. Now on YouTube, Beginner's Guitar. Marcus takes you through the early stages, tuning, basic chords and strum patterns to start you on your journey. Further information, go to www.innovationstudios.com. Adam says, my friends were in a band called Skin of the Mother and they used to do a lot of the open mic circuits or what was known then as the band showcases or Battle of the Bands, and they performed at the Esplanade, and they also performed at uh, the Fortuna War, and the Haystack in Canvey, and many, many venues, Skin of the Mother, they were like a rock band, um, and uh, I don't know if you'd seen them, um, the name does ring a bell actually, um, but I'm not I'm not quite sure why it does, but it does ring a bell, I have a feeling that I knew somebody through them, or, or whatever, this is a, a little bit later on, this would have been sort of mid-90s, so, um, again, it's grassroots, but um, maybe at that time things had changed a little bit. Things were more about um, bands showcases. I mean, promoters realised that they could get people through the door by advertising the Battle of the Bands night. And it's not, not a knock on the promoters. It was pounds, shillings and pence. It was business. Um, but uh, from there, you'd get maybe a Thursday night. Uh, three bands and they bring some people with them and everybody would vote and what would happen was like basically whoever had the most people there would get the most votes but it got people through the doors and as a promoter it was always a pretty good thing to do um so you know that's not that's not such a bad thing um if it's bringing people together if it's giving people an opportunity to perform it's giving them a platform it's i'm not saying i had a problem with it i'm just saying because i mean we were happy to play more than one of those um but it was a, a, a different way and a new way to uh, promote what you know pretty much had, had always been there. And it was another way to have these bands play, give them an opportunity to play these venues that they wouldn't otherwise have, um, get some money over the bar um, and get some people in. So, you know, that's what that, that's how it works. And uh, but yes, I do. I, it rings a bell very, very slightly, but um, I'm, I'm not quite sure uh, why, but um whoever they are um if i haven't met them i just wish them all the best if they're still doing anything out there and hopefully our paths will cross at some point hi does anybody remember jay from a band called malicious ignition from about 1992 93 um yeah but they became something else um sorry this was susan who'd sent this um (laughs) Sorry, I, I just got straight to the question. Um, Susan in 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 Wakering. Um, I yeah, I I remember them as Malicious Ignition um, because I saw them with ABCD. It was like the ACDC tribute um, at the Army and Navy in about ninety 
1993, a malicious ignition with a support act. And I remember seeing the same lineup with um, the, it was something like the Rolling Stoned or something at the Esplanade. Um, because at the end, Jay got up and played um, bongos with them on, um, oh, goodness me, Sympathy for the Devil. Um, so, yeah, I did. But they weren't called Malicious Ignition then. They were called something else like the Wallflowers or the Wildflowers or something. But, yeah, I do remember them. I, I, I did see them. I saw them there with the Rolling Stoned. Um, and uh, I had a good night that night. I used to like things like that. Go and see a tribute band there and again. I, I, I think it was a good crack. You know, you know, it's a bit of fun. But it wasn't really about the tribute band. It was sometimes about the support act. You'd learn a little bit about uh, these bands and a um, little, bit, little bit about the industry. Um, and, yeah, it was always good to move in those circles. You could have a chat with them afterwards. Um, also, Cooper has got in touch and said, Hi, Marcus, do you remember Karma? from newcastle you worked with us a few times hello cooper yes i do uh, c-a-r-m-a you were on the brink of of being the next big big thing um i don't know what happened it probably must be 16 years since we saw you or worked with you but yes i do remember you um one of the best and up and coming we you came down to essex to play a show for us and um calicanesis worked with you but yeah i remember karma see i'm sure it was c-a-r-m-a and yes, Cooper, you were the manager, and um, yeah, you were Geordies. <laughs> and um, we had a couple of real good nights. I think you helped us with um, some tour dates up there. We did a few supports for you, Calacanises did, um, and our paths crossed one or two times across the UK. But yes, I remember you. Um, I don't know if, you know, you didn't specify whether you're still moving in those circles or what you're doing, so uh, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you and where you are now and what you're doing. Um but um, yes, I do remember that. I, I do remember you. And um, we always had fun when we worked with you. It was always a pleasure. Uh, Paul Higgins says, Hi, Marcus. I just want to throw a few bands and artists at you. And I wondered if you've seen them or if you could tell me a bit more about them or if anybody can tell me a bit more about them. Um, these are the, some of the bands that I saw over the years. Um, Sherman Robertson, uh, Reaper, of Stairway to Zeppelin, where we've mentioned... Um, We've mentioned um, uh, Coda. Um, also, he said, I went to a Derek Oldham memorial night. So I'm going to find a little bit more about uh, Derek Oldham. Adrian Nation. Yeah, Adrian Nation keeps uh, coming up quite a bit. Um, I'm going to find out a bit more about Adrian Nation. Apparently, um, finger-picked acoustic guitar is um, how he... Um, describes his uh, his music apparently from from what I've read and I'd like to approach him and see if he would um, give me some time because he's pretty much done a fair bit at, at, in the industry at that particular level. Uh, Walter Trout, um, uh, Tristan Mackay, um, they were another two artists. Uh, Pause, P-A-W-Z, uh, Denny Newman, um, and he said, I saw them at Pam's Bar. So there we are. Uh, Nicky Moore. Well, we know the Nicky Moore Blues Band. Uh, back then it was a Nicky Moore and the Blues Corporation. I think we worked with Nicky at the Basildon Festival. We, he didn't. He wouldn't know that we worked with him. He just went on after us. Uh, Trash Munro. Uh, Mr. Junk. Wild Turkey. Um, like the Beatles, which was a tribute. Red, White and Bluesy. Yeah, I've heard of Red, White and Bluesy, uh, Paul. 
um, 2006, Vosper, Brown, Charles and James. Um, I'm assuming that's Al Vosper, um, who was Christa Berg's guitarist, but a, 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 obviously a, a legend in, in the industry in his own right. But um, um, yeah, he said, I saw them at Riga. Uh, Porter with Phil Burdett. Yeah, well, Phil's going to come up. The Soul Detectives. Yeah, I remember the Soul Detectives. Uh, Man. Um, yeah, so you've seen Man. Uh, Bad Influence. Um, the Old Boys Network. That's Terry. <laughs> um, hello, Terry Stewart. How are you, mate? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Mutton Birds. Uh, the Night Porters. The Groundhogs. Jesse Davey. The Mod Fathers. That's a tribute act. Yes. Uh, Blues in the City. Um, the Rockin' Armadillos. Yeah, I know they are. I know the Rockin' Armadillos. Grasp. Um, Larry Miller. Yeah, I know Larry Miller. Um, Willie and the Bandits. Okay, you obviously see a lot of music, Paul. Um, Duke Robiland, or Robillard, Robillard, sorry, Duke Robillard and the Abdabs. I'm assuming that isn't the Screaming Abdabs, which was Alison Moyer's um, band that she started with. The Mutton Birds. Uh, Mickey Jupp. Yeah, Mickey got a mention a few weeks ago. Um, the Wild Cards. Um, the Mark Butcher Band. Uh, that was at... Uh, he said, I saw them at the borderline. Uh, I'm assuming that's the cricketer, Mark Butcher. I mean, he's a musician now, but he was a, a cricketer. Uh, Jack Bruce, well, that's obviously, uh, that's that's a bit more than grassroots. Um, Dirty Water. Um, Five Horse Johnson. Um, Bad Influence, again. Uh, Roscoe, Le- Roscoe Levy. Um, that was at the Crawdaddy Club, which was a very legendary uh, blues venue, and I believe is still there. Um... Michael Caton, Swindle, um, Scarmite. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. Uh, Vic Collins, um, All Ages Night. I've got a feeling that um, I'm looking forward to... I think Vic uh, works with um, Bob Mundy at the moment. Um, but if he doesn't, then I've certainly seen Vic, Vic's name come up a, a fair few times. So it'd be nice to... Um, if I get an opportunity to meet Vic, I'd like to. Aladdin Sane, that's the um, Bowie tribute. Um, Los Pacaminos. Now, they have Paul Young in them, I believe. They're like a seven or eight piece, I'm going to say Latin American sounding band. But they have Paul Young. The, yes, the Paul Young. Wherever I lay my hat, Paul Young. Um, Tim Aves. Cats in Space. Um, Soul, in Sa- Soul of Sa- Santana. Fat Penguin. Uh, Porter and Clive Cowan. I know I've met Clive a few times. Um, he used to be involved with Riga. Um, I'm assuming that's where you saw him. Um, and he was, um, yeah, he was a, a singer-songwriter, Clive, but I only chatted to him a few times. But he seemed like a real nice guy, and um, I'd like to do an interview with him at some point. Um, uh, where are we? Doors Alive, The Straubs. Um... Robin Trower, but uh, that's Robin's a little bit uh, a little bit beyond uh, the Mutton Birds, uh, Claude Bourbon, um, and um, he's just put a couple at the bottom. Nine Below Zero, um, who he said he saw at a pub in Hackney, um, but he didn't tell me the name of the pub. Um, so there's a few bands there: Into the Bleach, um, Touchstone, Tim Aves, and Wolfpack. Um, 
Grasp, The Groove Doctors, uh, The Mickey Welton Band, uh, The Wild Cards, uh, The Fingers, um, and John Wright, Fabian Bonner, Martin McNeil. So these are people that Paul has seen over the years or made a note of, and he's asked me to learn a little bit more about them. So if anybody can give me any information on that, that would be great. I'm hoping that next week I will be back with an interview for you. I'm not sure who it's going to be yet. Um, I have a choice of a few at the moment. Roger Hoodless, uh, Roger's going to come and see me. Bob Mundy's going to come and see me. Riga Steve, Steve Catamar was going to come and see me at some point. Steve Hooker's going to come and see me at some point. Phil Burdett's going to come and see me at some point. Uh, Paul Reynolds is going to come and see me. Although it's not going to be recorded. He's still going to come and see me, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, in the meantime, um, I've got to go because I've got to get everything ready. Oasis tonight are back at the Cherry Tree in Dartford. I've had to drag all my stuff out the shed, out the loft, and I've spent the last couple of months getting a stone and a half off to play Noel, so I'm looking forward to going off and doing that tonight. In the meantime, everybody, um, thank you so much for your feedback. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for staying in touch and, and for everything that um, you've given me over the last few days. I hope you enjoyed a couple of exclusives I had for you um, today. Um, and I'm going to love you and leave you um, by just saying thanks for being my mate. Thanks for listening in. And I'll be back next Friday, 6 o'clock. Grassroots Music UK. The final curtain call. Legendary Grassroots Music Remembered. Chat to you soon. Signing off. Yours in music. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>